He's awesome God. Amen. We have quite a few prayer requests today. I remember these needs this morning. I want to pray for Sister Mariah Pruitt. She's at home sick with a fever. Also want to remember Sister Geraldine Salcedo. She's having problems with vertigo this morning. Also Sister Loretta's not feeling, feeling well. And we also have prayer requests in for Brother Randy Gissendanner has Crohn's disease and the inflammation has created a blockage in his intestines there, needing the Lord to move. And also, uh, Brother Daniel Gissendanner has been in the hospital with infection in his shoulder from a recent shoulder replacement surgery. So I want to remember those two brothers today. How many will have a need? You'll make it known to the Lord. Amen. I'm asking Brother Craig to come and open our service in prayer. Take these needs to him today, to the Lord. Amen. Let's just all pray together today. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious, eternal Father, as we enter into the house of the Lord this morning, our hearts are happy and thankful for life and health. We're thankful, Lord, with the fire that burns in our bosoms, Lord, the faith that burns in our hearts, the word, Lord, that lives in our lives, we thank you, Lord God. 
And we thank you, Lord God, for revealing yourself to us as the one true living God and how you led us and how you have protected us and poured out your blessings and opened up your hand. God, you've been so good, it's beyond words. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to pray and to know that you hear our prayers. To know, Lord God, that you care about every need on our hearts, Lord, that you know us. And Lord, that you want to reveal yourself to us. And so, Father, we open our hearts. We open up every door, as it were. We welcome you in this place to be King and Lord of all. And Lord, we want to enthrone you, Lord, in this church. We want you, Lord, to have preeminence in this church. I pray, dear God, for every need that has gone forth. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move through the land upon these needs. We ask, O oh God, that you, Father, bring restoration, healing, Lord, to every one of these needs that were lifted up before you. Father, we love you. We thank you. We sanctify ourselves now. We ask, Lord, you take full control of every song, every lifted hand, every worship, Lord. Our hearts, Lord, want to beat our love to you and express our love to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will take a hold of the word this morning. Make it flesh in our lives. Unite our hearts, Lord. Lift us up in heavenly places. May all unbelief be driven back. All powers of the enemy driven back. Be a wall of fire about us, Lord. Fortify us, Lord, behind your word. We love you. We welcome you here. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn around, shake one of his hands. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Amen. Ask the brothers they would to take up the offering this morning. Just give us unto the Lord. Oh, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Joys I share.
This morning, as Brother Taylor was just demanded to come, amen. Let's just sing that song as it comes. Bring them in. Isn't this wonderful today? We got a little one to bring to Jesus. Amen. Wow, what a precious little one we got. And Daddy's just holding it just so wonderful and precious. Wow, what a blessing this is. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. To think about what God has given you. What a blessing. Little Chloe Ray Miles that we're going to dedicate to the Lord today. And, and Chloe, Chloe means a, um, a new shoot. And so on the branch of the Miles family, we got a brand new shoot coming up. Uh, she was also in the Bible uh, a uh, convert by the Apostle Paul, and he met together in her house and spoke of in Corinthians. And, and uh, so what a, what a wonderful legacy. Amen. We certainly appreciate the Lord. And then the Hebrew word for um, Ray, R-A-E here is, um, the way they spelled it, is um, you, which is a little, little lamb. So we thank God for this little lamb today that we can present to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And to know that it takes faith in this day to bring forth children in this age and time. I was speaking to some older men this past week, and they said, I, 
I'm so glad I was born um, many years ago and not having to grow up in, in what we're facing today. I said, yeah, but we got children and grandchildren that are coming up now. And, you know, it takes a people with faith to continue right on. Believing God is going to be with us no matter how evil the age is, how difficult the times are, that we bring forth children to present to the Lord, knowing he's big enough to take care of us all. Amen. So let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, as we stand here today, we hold in our hands this precious little trophy that you have given us of your grace. What mercies tender mercies that you bless this family with. We thank you for Brother Caleb, Sister Amanda, and all the little children, Lord, that are part of this family. May you bless them abundantly. And Lord, little Chloe, may your grace be upon her. May your angels protect her. Oh God, that you'd keep her from the sickness that lurks everywhere in our age and time, that you'd keep her safe from all of them and harm's way. And Lord, if you would tarry until she comes to that age of accountability, that, oh God, that she'd come to give her heart to you as, as a little lamb given back to the almighty God, the true lamb of God. We ask your blessings upon this child and upon this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now may the angels of God go around you and surround you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Brother Caleb, Sister Amanda. Amen. Are you all going to keep her? You are? Okay. Oh, good deal. All right. God bless you. I know a man who can walk on water anytime, any place, anywhere. I know a man who can calm a storm Anytime, any place, anywhere In the storm, he'll meet you there Anytime, any place, anywhere Rain or shine, he's on time All the time, any place, anywhere Oh, and I 
Sing it with me. Turn it on this time. And one day I'm gonna take a step towards my theophany. And one day I'm gonna take another step into my theophany. And one day I know that final step. Oh, it's going to set me free. A little higher into the perfect world. And oh, come up a little higher into the agape love. Oh, come up a little higher.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You're here calling you this morning. Calling you to come up. Take another step higher. Amen. More dedication, more sincerity. Hallelujah. Calling us to come up. Amen. We West, uh, Katie and Leah, just Rebecca and those maybe sing with them to come. Amen. This time, amen. Would y'all just come on and sing for us this morning. We'll just get ready for them.
Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. I bless your name. Sing the chorus as the choir comes this morning. Amen. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you my I give you praise. You are the life, the truth, the way. I bless your name. I bless One more time, I bless your Is anyone able to bring 
blessing and honor and glory. Is he worthy of this? Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And is Jesus our Messiah forever those He loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is Is he worthy? Is he worthy? 
Is he worthy? He is. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. John saw him, the worthy one. No one else was worthy but him. Amen. We wasn't worthy. All prophets, no matter how great they were, what men of God they were down to the ages, none of them was worthy. Only he is worthy. Oh, my, this is why they could sing a new song. Amen. And this new song they would sing, they said, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by, blood, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. There's a great millennium laying ahead right for us. What a promise that is. And even now, today, we can reign because of him. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beast and the elders and the number of them were 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And all of this continues until everything, all the universe worships God. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are under the sea and all that are in them heard I say in blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. Can you say amen to that today? Amen. And the four and twenty elders, which represents the bride of the Old and the New Testament, twelve of each, the patriarchs and the apostles, fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Oh, may today we worship him with all our hearts. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we're your children. And we have gathered in your name, Lord. What an awesome song, Lord. Lord, as this word goes out across the world today and, and to every place, every kindred, tongue, nation, tribe, and people, even as you have made travel to vastly increase so that words can go across the world in an instant. Lord, I pray your blessings upon your people wherever they're assembled. Father, I ask that you'll minister the hearts of your children. Bring healing to their sickness. Lord, bring, uh, bring relief to their depression. May that dark cloud, that spirit of that enemy leave them now as we bind it in Jesus' name. Lord, may your people rejoice in the God of their salvation. Those that don't know you yet, may they come to know you. Maybe today that last name will be there revealed in the Lamb's book of life and that name splashed in blood. I pray, oh God, that you'll bless your people. Ever need, Lord, supply. As we look to you, Lord, anoint us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 
Always good to be in the house of the Lord and to be gathered with, uh, together with God's people. Amen. We love the Lord, don't we? Amen. Amen. We certainly appreciate his goodness to us and his grace. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 14 and verse 1 this morning. Just want to say as you're turning there and finding your place in the Bible, we um, are going to, uh, Brother Timothy and I and our families um, will be leaving today and we won't be back until after Labor Day. Um, we're going to be going over into Tennessee, Virginia, Pennsylvania and back down into Virginia for Brother Ron Spencer's uh, Labor Day meeting. So um, we've got... Um, some miles to put on and some things to do, taking just a little bit of time off here in, in the summer, but you'll be left in good hands. Amen. We've got the, the ministry team here that will be ministering uh, for us, and uh, they, will be, they will be taking the services as um, each one of them, and I know that you will be blessed. I know you will. Amen. And, uh, you know, we had... Um, uh, announced uh, some time ago that Brother Craig would be going to um, uh, to Connecticut and taking the little church there and pastor that. And of course, this is winding up his last few weeks with us. So he'll minister a couple of times and then he'll be uh, leaving, going up there. But we'll just, just call that an extension of us up there in Connecticut. Amen. So God go with him and God be with him. And bless him and Sister Anna and the children. We'll certainly miss them. Amen. Uh, we didn't get the boat, but had we did, he would stay. All right. Just so you know. So if you think the boat was the will of God, you didn't count these. <laughs> Amen. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. As we are just... Um, Moving into the Word this morning and looking into some of the passages of the Scripture, and I thought that song was so applicable, especially the last one that the choir sang, of course, also even the first one that the Brother um, uh, Philip sang about our theophany. If you wondered what that is, well, that's the body we go to. It's just um, the Word that is used of that body, that heavenly body that we will go to. And so we can hear our theophany calling us. Amen. Because we're being called higher into another, into another realm by a rapture here in this last day. It's made promise. And so, um, but anyway, even that was applicable as we will be speaking about. And then, of course, the young lady singing was so, was so blessed too. And, and wow, we've just been already tremendously blessed haven't we? Amen. Amen. I just don't know how, how much more that we can be blessed except we could just step on other over into that other dimension. Amen. And may this be 
and my, for me, for the rest of us, for all of us, may this just be our last service. Amen. We just move into that other realm. Amen. Heaven is real. We're going to read about that here in a moment. And, um, you know, it's coming right upon high noon right now. And, and, uh, but we, we, uh, we've got miles to travel today, seven or eight hours today after the service to get where we need to go. But um, still, we're going to just um, uh, put our time in. We're not going to cheat you any. Amen. We're going to unload our heart and just um, uh, speak about some things. I, I received um, just a little um, news clip yesterday from a fellow minister who posted, um, you know, uh, about some of the world's conditions that we're living in. It was striking to me to know that one in four babies in England and Wales are now aborted or murdered. Can you imagine that? That's 25% of the pregnancies there. In the U.S., the, the birth rate is around um, 40% to unmarried women. And you factor in the fact that over 80% of the uh, abortions are, from, are to the unmarried then over 50% of the pregnancies in America are now illegitimate. And of course, you know, this is a very, uh, shows us the darkness of the age coming in, where that sin is now applauded. I, I, I just can't get over some of the things that is happening even in our government that they would uh, applaud the right to kill the, the babies even as they're being born. And then we see the, you know, of course, um, there's a rise that is happening in the, in the world today. As you know, the Bible predicts that all nations will gather against Jerusalem. And you see the increase of Islam is now uh, overwhelming in the United Kingdom. And, and uh, Christian churches are closing and being replaced with mosques. And there's a lack of manhood in our feminized world. And, of course, this won't reach Islam because Islam does not promote feminized women, or men, rather, and cowards. But Muslim men are largely masculine and, and um, in that they're willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anyone over their faith. I think it's a shame that Christianity has become feminized. Are you with me? Amen. And, and, and now, you know, to, to the point that we can't even speak up about what we believe. And men can't take a stand and they can't be the priest of their home. You know, again, the Muslims simply won't allow any disrespect to their faith. You know, free, free speech be cursed. You know, that's the simple truth. And America, though, will continue to go on the feminist and homosexual and socialist ideology in our Christian civilization and will be conquered from within by the enemy. And the Christian church is guilty for accepting and even promoting equality of all religions and a false sense and understanding of a multicultural uh, indoctrination. And I just wanted to say as we move on from this, this is not a political speech, but just um, as we just look at the, the problems of the world, you cannot look for America to save the world. She's doomed. You know, I, I just listened to a report 
where the analysts were saying that in 2020 we'll elect a woman socialist for president and the, the millennialists among us are ridden with debt and are looking for an easy way out. On the average, each household with a credit card carries uh, $8,284 in credit card debt. Total consumer debt is now $13.51 trillion. That's just consumer debt. And that includes mortgages and auto loans and credit cards and students' loans. The average American has now about um, 38000 in personal debt, excluding home mortgages. So, you know, it's certainly a ripe and a time that uh, a, a woman socialist president will rise and be elected by the droves of millennials who will, who will vote to have something for nothing. Free health care, free education, college education, free everything. And so this is a troubled world that we live in. And I said all of this to say this, you know, to, to bring you back to this thought. But let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, you believe in me. You believe in God, believe in me. And then he says, in my Father's house there are many mansions. And when we think about mansions, oh, we've sung about them, you know, I want a gold one that's silver lined and all kinds of fantasies out there, but really, I want to mention about this tall that there's no blemish in. There's no sickness, can ever, no evil thought ever come into it. Amen. Perfection everywhere, never grow old. And Jesus said, in my Father's house, there is many such theophanies, many such mansions or dwelling places. This is where, where Paul would pick this up and he says, we have a dwelling place not made with hands, waiting eternally in the heavens. So what a promise that is. And he says, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And this is what I love about this. He says, I will come again. I want us in our thinking today to keep our hearts set on this one verse. I will come again. This is the blessed hope of the believer today that Jesus is going to come back. Now, I, I'm going to be speaking today again on where is Jesus now. I, I tried to uh, approach the subject last week. We didn't get too far into it. and So I want to carry it a little further today if God will help me. And we'll, we'll minister upon this because I want you to get a real view, you know, because we're looking for him to come. But where is he now? Now, uh, and then, of course, I want to share with you some things um, today about th these words that Jesus spoke when he said, when he spoke of, in my Father's house, let not your heart be troubled. I will come again. All of these words that as he's just leaving that, He's imparting to his disciples, and he's telling them about oh, what will happen in the future. I'm going to come back. I'm going away to prepare a place. I've got a job that I'm doing. I'm, I am leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. All of these things that he was telling them, and, and I, I think about even uh, Brother Branham and one of the last sermons that 
he preached just before carried home, he preached on things that are to be. And he preached it right here from John 14. Things that are to be. Things that are to be. A theophany prepared that we're going to. We'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Things that are to be. Things that are to be. I, I'm going to come back. Jesus said, I will come back and receive you unto myself. Things that are to be. Now, of course, that is the, we're looking for that blessed and glorious hope of the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and as we have looked at this text this morning in John 14, it's often used for funeral services. And, of course, if there was ever time to preach a funeral service, it ought to be to this world. Amen. Because she is, she's in the throes of death and is dying. Even we could preach a whole funeral service on America because she is also dying. Amen. And, and of course, as we are going on in this, you know, the, the dying of this world, it's got to be, it's got to die to be born again. Do you know this world will be born again? It will burn with fire. And not only will we have a millennial ahead, but then there's coming another fire and a new heavens and a new earth. And she'll be born again into a new world with made a new creation. Amen. The old things haven't passed away, and behold, all things becoming new. What a great day and hour that will be. We can look forward to it as Christians today. And, and this is what Brother Branham would say in things that are to be. He said, if we're Christian, I think we ought to be kind of notified ahead. Amen. We don't just have to guess at it. We, we're notified what our destination will be. And let's just go ahead and notify it, you know, this morning. He's coming back like he said. Amen. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Those theophanies there will come here and, and we will unite and, and the, the mortals shall be changed into immortality. I say, what a day that will be. Things that ought to be. And that's, and, and this is what he would, this comments, let me just share this. Things that are to be. Now speaking last night on the rapture, so I want to speak on this subject that I might tie it together. Now remember, this is just continuation of his rapture sermon. Tie it together with last night's message. Now, there's going to be a rapture. We know that. That's in the future to be. Amen. And we know that. We got a rapture laying in the future. Now, friends, it doesn't matter how old the story has been told. It's, it's still the truth. Amen. There's a rapture laying right ahead of us. And I believe this is the escape that Jesus talked about that we should pray always to escape the things that are coming on the earth, be accounted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus saying here, in my Father's house are many, in my Father's house are many mansions, or it can be translated rooms, but that's beside the point. We can imagine heaven <coughs> as spacious. We can imagine, you know, his Father's house is, has a spacious house. Plenty of room for all. Amen. Amen. But that's besides the point. There are many theophanies there. Houses not made with hands. 
And, and of course, every age has longed to see Jesus. It is the blessed hope of the church and the longing of every age to be the ones that would be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Amen. Every age has longed for that. I've never buried a saint that didn't have that anticipation that they would be one that would live to see Jesus. Amen. But nevertheless, even though that, that we have planted them as a seed and they wait until their time comes, but yet we're still, the, we are the living now and we are looking for Jesus in our generation. And that must be the blessed hope of the church to continue looking under Jesus, to look for him to come back. Now, remember this, um, you know, and, and let me just share this from three kinds of believer. The reason I believe that when the bride is called out and elected and set in the book of life, there come a sound from heaven that will take a baptism, such a baptism of the Holy Spirit into that bride that will take her from the earth in a rapture and grace. God promised it. Don't care how many signs, how many astronauts they signed up and everything, how many million miles they can see. I don't care nothing about that. There is a heaven. And there is a literal Jesus Christ. There that will come, notice he said there, that will come in a body form to receive his church to himself. No matter how old the story seems, it is still the truth. God said so. That's what believers believe. I remember a story of a little girl down in Carlsbad Caverns. This little girl would go down with her family, her little brother, little sis, and mom and dad, and they go down into the very depths of the earth. And they go there, once they get down there, and they're looking at all of the, the, the beautiful um, formations under the earth and the lights and all of that is shown. There was a just a moment where that they would turn off, the, the tour guide would turn off the lights. He would reach over and flip the switch and turn off all the lights. And when it did, it was gross darkness everywhere. Black. Of course, with no light, everybody went immediately totally blind. And the little girl standing by her brother had, uh, you know, was screaming and going on and, and crying and, and just hysterical because there was no lights and now she was totally blind. But the little boy had seen the, seen the man flip the switch. And he said, he screamed out in the darkness and, and reached over and comforted his sister. And he says, little sister, don't scream, don't cry, settle down. There's a man here that can turn on the light. And let us not forget that in this time of darkness, no matter how evil that it is, when things that are unimaginable begin to happen, and you can see insanity on every side. I want you to just remember there is a man present here who can turn on the light. 
Amen. That no matter when we get to the place, we don't know what way to move. His never failing presence is always there. He can turn on the lights. He just, he's just waiting to see what you're going to do. He can flip the switch anytime. There's a man here that can turn on the lights. Oh, the Bible said some of them had sat in the regions of darkness, the regions of the shadow of death. Some of them have been under the shadow of cancer. Some under the shadow of, of the false denominational teaching. Some under the creeds of man. And some under traditional death. All kinds of death, but they've seen a great light. The man that flashed the lights dens is the same one that said in the beginning, let there be light. And there was light. And he's present today. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter how dark it gets, even if you can't see your hand in front of before you, just remember there's a man here that can turn on the light that'll rapture the church. Now that's our promise today. That no matter how evil the age, no matter how dark it gets, amen, there's a man here that's going to turn on the lights. Amen. There will be a rapture. He will rapture the church. He promised he would. Now, there's a great expectation. And I just wanted to share with you just a moment um, because I think it's um, always important to just bring back to our remembrance some things. But, you know, one of the, one of the greatest experiences that William Branham ever had was when he went beyond the curtain of time. And this would be in the year um, 1960. Five years before he would actually go beyond the curtain of time and into his death. But he saw himself lying on his bed. And he had his hands behind his head and relaxed with his head on the pillow and began to wonder what about the other side. And, you know, he said, I, I wonder, you know, I probably not live to be as old as my people. And I wanted to do more for the Lord and, uh, before I left this life. And, and as he was thinking of this, he heard a voice saying, but you're just starting. Press the battle. Keep pressing. And I lay there just pondering those words. And as I, you know, and I thought, I, I just imagined that. I heard these words saying, press the battle. Keep going. Keep on going. And still I'm believing that he'd actually heard it and thought he'd spoken it himself. He placed his lips between his teeth and held his hand over his mouth. And, and listened, and the voice spoke again. And, and it just said, keep pressing. If you only knew what was at the end of the road. And I think all of us can take courage from that today. If you just keep pressing on. Amen. Jesus would, would run, you know, he would run his race, despising the shame, because he had his eyes on a goal. Amen. And that's what we've got to do is keep our eyes on the goal. No matter what kind of trouble we have in this world, no matter how evil the age is, no matter how dark it gets, keep your eyes on the goal. Amen. And that goal is, is we're going to leave this world. There's a new world that is dawning and, and there will be no sickness and sorrow and pain nor death nor crying. Amen. This is not a fantasy. It's the truth. Amen. Brother Branham said, just listening to that, he said, I, 
that voice spoke again with his hand held over his mouth, and now he's convinced it wasn't him saying he was hearing it. Keep pressing on if you only knew what was in the end of the road. And I seemed to hear music and the words of an old familiar song that said, I'm so homesick and blue, and I want to see Jesus. I'd like to hear those harbor bells chime. It would brighten my path and banish all fears. Lord, let me look past the curtain of time. And as that was being sung, he heard a voice saying, would you like to look beyond the curtain? And he said, that would help me so much. And he said, what happened? I don't know. Was it a translation? It was different from any vision I ever had. But said, it's very strange. He said, I, I don't know. But, you know, just one breath away, I entered into a place. Think about that. I entered into a place. And I stood there, and great numbers of people came running to me, saying, oh, my precious brother. First, it was young women, apparently in their early 20s, and they would embrace me and say, my precious brother. And a, a young men in the brilliance of young manhood with eyes glistening like stars on a darkened night with teeth as white as pearl embraced me and saying, oh, my precious brother. And, and he said, I noticed I had become young again. And I looked back, and I could see my, my old body laying there on the bed behind me with my hands behind my head, and I said, I don't understand this. And I was trying to comprehend the place where I was, and I realized there was no yesterday, no tomorrow there, and no one seemed to get tired. As a multitude of beautiful young women the most beautiful young men I ever seen threw their arms around me. I discovered there was only a great love that overwhelmed me and no physical attraction as in human behavior. And I noticed these young women all wore their hair down to their waistlines. Their skirts were down to their feet. After this, he said, my, my first wife, Hope, who had passed on, hugged me and said, my precious brother. And then come a young, another young woman and hugged me, and Hope turned and hugged her and said, I don't understand this. This is entirely something different from our human love. I don't want to go back to that old body again. And then the voice said, this is what you preach that the Holy Ghost is. This is perfect love. Nothing can enter here without it. And he said, next I was taken up on a high place and all around me great numbers of men and women in the bloom of youth and they were crying, oh, precious brother, we're so happy to see you here. And I thought, I'm not dreaming. For I could see these people and I could see my body back laying there on the bed and the voice said, you know it's written in the Bible that the prophets were gathered with their people. I said, yes, I remember that in the scriptures that there's not that many Branhams. And the, the voice said, but these are not Branhams. These are your converts. They're the ones you led to the Lord. Some of these women you think are so young and beautiful were more than 90 years old when you led them to the Lord and said, no wonder they're crying out, my precious brother. And then the multitude cried out, if you hadn't gone forth with the gospel, we wouldn't be here. And then I asked, but oh, where is Jesus? I want to see him. And the people's replied, he's a little higher, just a little higher. Someday he will come to you. 
You were sent as a leader, and when God comes, he will judge you according to his, your teaching. I said, does Paul and Peter have to stand this judgment also? The answer was yes. I said, then I preach what they preached. I did not divert from it to one side to the other. Where they baptized in the name of Jesus, I did too. Where they taught baptism in the Holy Spirit, I did too. Whatever they taught, I taught also. So we know that the people cried, and we know you. We are that we're going back to earth with you sometime. Jesus will come and judge you according to the words you preach, and then you you will present us to Him, and all together we'll go back to the earth to live forever. And said, "Do I have to go back to earth now?" He said, "Yes, but just keep pressing on." And he said, "As I begin to move from that beautiful, joyful place, as far as my eyes could see." People were coming to embrace me, crying, my precious brother. And suddenly I was back on the bed again. And as he reflected on that, he said, let me never then compromise on the word. Let me stand true with everything that I can. Let me preach the gospel more than I ever preached it. Because there is great joy that lays right at the end of the way. What a promise that is. Now, this great experience that he had, young men in the brilliance of young manhood, eyes glistening with stars, teeth white as pearls, embraced me saying, our precious brother. And my, myself had become young to, again too because remember, this is going to be the most glorious youth camp that there's ever been. I mean, there ain't no old people going to be there. Amen. They'll all be young, immortal, in the splendor of their best. Remember, God took a picture of you before the world began. He knew you were coming. Oh, listen, listen, you don't have to set another plate at the table because I got a son coming home. God knew exactly how many plates to set at the table. He knew everyone that would come. And he said, everyone the Father hath given me will come. Are you with me? Amen. And so uh, there again, he's not going to have to scrounge up another robe or another crown. He knows you're coming. He's got a place prepared. I have prepared a place for you that where I am there you may be also. No yesterday, no tomorrow. One, just one big joy. No worries. No troubles, no heartache, no sin, no unkind word, no evil thought. Think about it. The devil can't get in your mind anymore and put an evil thought that it comes through there and you have to throw it out. Amen. There won't be one sin there. Hallelujah. What a time that will be. No one getting tired. Amen. No physical attraction as far as human behavior. Every one of them. This is perfection. And he heard the voice as he said, the, the voice said, this is after death. And I said, oh, then I've died. Well, this is wonderful. It's good for me to be here. Wouldn't you think so? If you died and went there, wouldn't you say, it's sure good for me to come here? I don't want to go and wake up in some other place, right? 
Amen. One, one that was past 90, as he shares this experience again, said when she was past 90, when you led her to the Lord, and see, she's young forever. And she looked up at me and she said, Brother Branham, Jesus will come someday. And then we'll go back to earth and then we'll receive our glorified body and we'll live together forever. Amen. Now, but this was his great desire, as he would say it over and again, oh, let me see Jesus. If I pass over, I want to see him. He will come, but he'll come first to those dead in Christ. Again, in the fifth seal, he would say, if I passed on, I want to see Jesus. He was all my life. I want to see him. But you can't see him now. He's still higher. It was below the altar, the sixth place where man goes, not the seventh, the seventh dimension, not where God is, the seventh dimension, the sixth. So you see, again, I want to see Jesus. This, was, this is what they, they all were longing for. And, of course, we know he entered into this place on December 24th, 1965, and he would actually go in there and, 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 and there and notice Jesus had not come. We're still looking for him. There's still a rapture. But where is he? Then he has to be still in the sanctuary. And that's the apostles' doctrine because that's where they placed Jesus, said he has went in the highest of heavens. Now, we know in the scripture there are souls under the altar, so right on the altar are the redeemed. But there a little higher is Jesus. That's what we're going to be preaching about is where is he now? Just a little higher, but one day, someday he will return. Now, again, the dead in Christ are under expectations for him to come to them because Jesus, the Bible said that the dead in Christ, you know, when Jesus comes, God will bring with him. Amen. So when he, when he comes, the dead in Christ will come with him. So we know, we know, and I say this because one time my mother looked at me and said, Tim, is it possible we miss the rapture? I said, no, it's not possible we miss the rapture because one thing, I'm still here. And I'm a part of that rapture. Amen. Now she's gone on to be with the Lord and she knows that it hadn't happened. Amen, because the dead in Christ has not risen yet. Because when he comes, the saints will come with him. Amen, so we can still preach on the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And of course, he's appearing among us. He appears and heals our sickness. He appears and fills with the Holy Ghost. He appears, he's done that since the day of Pentecost. But he will appear in a corporal body, and we will meet him in the air. These, what Brother Branham was describing here, were Christian saints of the New Testament, of all the New Testament era, the dead in Christ. You say, well, why not the Old Testament? Because, because they've already risen. Matthew, Matthew 27 tells us that. Amen. They rose and appeared to many. But there's a New Testament saints is going to rise. The dead in Christ, 
But they're in a dimension right under the altar waiting until the time that Jesus comes to them. When will he come? When the last member of the bride is saved, their name dipped in the blood of Christ, and he has to stay on the throne of intercessory until then. He cannot leave the heavens and come to the saints until he first, are you with me? Until, until every name that is on his book has been redeemed. I'll tell you one, if you're one that hadn't been redeemed, we may, you may be the one we're looking for. I mean, a lot of times, you know, when I'm unloading a, a bunch of hay off of a trailer and, and I get to that last bale and I pick that one up, I said, this is the one I've been looking for. Amen. It's the last one. And when we find that last one, no matter where it's at, if it's down in China, if it's in Japan, if it's right here in Evening Light Tavern, when we find that last one, that's the one we've been looking for. Amen. I'm going to say, boy, girl, whoever it is, you, I've been waiting on you a long time. Amen. But you see, the lamb in the time of intercessory back there, he knew those names were in there, was put on there before the foundation of the world. As long as them names have never been manifested on earth yet, he has to stay there as intercessor. I'm so glad he didn't leave in times where other people thought he left. Where other men, fickle men, wanted to say, oh, he left and he's no longer there. I'm so glad. They have been found to be liars. Amen. Because what about you? Many of you wouldn't be here. Come on. Amen. But as long as there was one name that hadn't been declared on the earth. Christ has to stay there as an intercessor to take care of that name. But as soon as that final name has been splashed in that Clorox or the bleach of his blood, amen, then his intercessory days are over. Let him that is filthy be filthy still, and let him that is holy be holy still. And he leaves a sanctuary, and then it becomes a judgment seat. And woe to those that are outside of Christ's name. Amen. Because then will come to pass that scripture, Revelation 22, 11. I just quoted, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Things that are to be. I'm glad we can stand here in the pulpit today and say, it ain't yet. Amen. I think of what Brother Branham said in that message, things that are to be. He said, what is science preparing you for? More death. That's right, Sputniks, everything going up, all these things, the scattered death, everything across the earth. Don't look to that. Turn your head higher than that towards the heaven. Look where Jesus sits on the right hand of God tonight, making ever living to make intercession on our confession. And we believe his word to be the truth. So we can safely say as of today, Christ has not left the sanctuary or the temple, heaven's temple, in the third heavens, the holiest of holies, the sanctuary. Amen. Well, when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time, he called that the first heavens. He said Jesus was still higher. 
and had not come yet to the saints in the sixth dimension, that means that then we can teach and preach the same atonement as Paul taught it is still unchanged. For the true message of God calls us back to the original atonement. Amen. And the original, the, the original atonement is not a new atonement by faith and not by blood, but, but it's back to the original atonement of a sacrifice that Christ is interceding on my behalf. Amen. Not a new atonement without a sacrifice, but the same sacrifice of Calvary, the atoning blood of Jesus. Now, you see, you say, why, why have we been brought back to the original atonement? Well, I'll tell you why. Because down through the ages, men have attempted to bring another atonement of Hail Marys or the church taking the place of Christ as, as a place of worship or the atonement and the atonement. But the message brings us back to the original atonement. Amen. And that is applied when the blood, the Holy Ghost strikes the believer. And it gives them the same Holy Ghost atonement that they received on the day of Pentecost. Think about that. Hallelujah. The very same atonement. Not a Hail Mary. Not crawling on your hands and knees. Not saying no, no venias or whatever, whatever they do. It's not, a, it's not another atonement. It's the original atonement of the blood of Jesus. And that comes by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The original atonement. That's what the message is to bring us back to. The saints are waiting. They're yearning for Jesus to come to them. Because he's still right now in the sanctuary interceding. I want you to know, sure, he intercedes for the ignorance of the ages where the truth was lost. Amen. But let me just tell you, he does more than ignorance. He's interceding for my sins and for your sins. Amen. We're going to talk about this. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 33. Because Peter knew where he went. He said, therefore, by the, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstools. And he applies this prophecy to Jesus. Are you with me? All right, so he said, Paul, Peter is saying, he is there by the right hand of God exalted. Now Stephen saw him also as the intercessor that makes the approach to God. Acts chapter 7, 55. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And Romans 8, 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather than is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. This is apostles' doctrine. Are you with me? John chapter 17, verse 9, Jesus speaks of his interceding, and he says, I am interceding for you. I pray, I intercede for them. I pray not for the world, but for them thou hast given me, for they are thine. Amen. Jesus showed himself even then as a high priest who was interceding on our behalf. 
I'm glad to say today we got somebody standing, another man standing in the presence of God. You see, he's a man. Yes, he became a man in order to redeem man, to be a kinfolk to man, to be the Lamb of God. But he's God Almighty. Amen. And he's interceding. I pray for them. Everybody ought to be able to walk out of this building and say, Jesus has prayed for me. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, we think sometimes our favorite preacher, you know, man that we feel like has got a touch with God, get him to lay his hands on, he prayed for me. But I want you to hear this. Jesus prayed for you. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then how can we fail? (laughs) Come on, on, church. Amen. You know, you, you you know, if Jesus prayed for us, how can that prayer go unanswered? Amen. It, it, it's God himself praying on our behalf. Interceding, speaking the word on our behalf. Is somebody with me? Amen. So how can we fail? Jesus is praying, interceding for us. 1 Peter 3.22, who has gone into the heavens and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Notice, notice this. Right hand of God, angels. That means even demons because demons are fallen angels. Right? Amen. Angels and authorities. And Paul would say, we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. High places, the same word translated, heavenly places. Amen. That's, where, well, that's what our battle is against. Our battle is against an accuser that is trying to keep you out of your position. Amen. But Jesus is there to intercede. Amen. To say, yes, you've got a right to come through my blood. Now, so he's on the right hand of God, angels, authorities, and powers being made subject to him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. The right hand we're going to find is the seat or position of authority and power. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So we notice now Jesus there, he is in the seat of all power. Amen. He's our approach unto spirit God. We could not approach unto spirit God without the man Christ Jesus. And I call him a man, not, not undeified him. I'm calling him a man to make you realize you got somebody there that you can relate to, that God became kinfolk to you. Amen. Amen. Let's look here at Isaiah 9 and 6 about this child that would be given. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government, the rule of government upon his shoulder, his name shall be called. Here is, here is what his, his titles all are, are all a part of him. He is wonderful. Can you say amen? amen. He's counselor. Amen. He is the, oh, hallelujah, the mighty God. Amen. He is the everlasting father, 
and he is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah, that's our Jesus. Amen. Oh, wonderful and counselor and mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. And of his government, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with the judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, this is what the right hand of God is. It is a place of authority where angels, uh, authorities, powers are subject unto Christ. Now, don't get a picture of two deities on the throne. It's the God of heaven who became flesh so that as a man, he could make an approach to God for us. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And it put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Hallelujah. What did he do? Set him at his own right hand. Far above. Amen. Amen. Get the picture. Far above every demon power, every authority, every angel, every saint. Come on. Everything. Set him above everything. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So where is Christ? He sits enthroned there until he appears, and then you appear with him in glory. So set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For if you be risen with Christ and seek those things which are above, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye also shall ye also appear with him in glory. So again, what is it when he appears? We're going to appear with him. Amen. So now, now again, we're talking about his appearing. When he appears, we appear with him in glory. Now, I want you to see the glory we're going to appear in. Turn to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation, our manner of living is in heaven. That's where our citizenship is. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Amen. This is Paul. And he's talking about his own body. And he calls it a vile body. Amen. That it might be fashioned like his, his glorious body. According to the working whereby is able to subdue all things unto himself. So one of the things he's going to subdue, amen, is he's going to change our vile body so that we can appear with him in glory. Amen. Amen. Now, that's apostolic doctrine, the faith of the Pentecostal fathers that we are restored to, that was established in the book of Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 1, 3. Who being in the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, the upholding of all things by the word of his power, when he, and I love this word, by himself, we owe our allegiance to none others. When he by himself 
purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 14, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passing the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold our fast our possession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we were, are yet without sin. So let us therefore come, how? Boldly. Unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hallelujah. We can come boldly. Hallelujah. To the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why? Because we've got a high priest there, a man who is tempted like we are, who understands what we're going through. Amen. You see, God did not want to remain as just a, a spirit God that was, was unapproachable and untouchable and, and unattainable and, and, and we couldn't relate to. Amen. So what did God do? He, he created. He created flesh right there in the womb of Mary. As he steps out and is condescending from the eternal spirit into the Logos. And from the Logos in the flesh. From the Word in the flesh. And he dwells among us. And while he's here, he's tempted in all manner. So that we can come boldly to the throne. Knowing we got somebody there to represent us. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews 7.26. For we have, for such a high priest became us. Oh, think of this. The high priest became one of us. Amen. Amen. Who is holy. Our high priest is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Hebrews 8 and 1. Now the things we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not men. Notice here, notice he said on the right hand of, of the throne of majesty on, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle. So now we, we get a picture of him. There he is in the third heavens, in the highest of all heavens. So high that he looks down and has dominion over everything beneath him. Are you with me now? And there he rules. Amen. As our high priest. There he is, a minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. This is a tabernacle not made with hands in the heavens. Hebrews 9.24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, what's now? Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Amen. So now we know he's in the sanctuary. He's in the third heavens. Hebrews 10 and 8 says that above all, when above when he 
And when he said sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, that wouldest not neither have pleasure therein which offereth by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Amen. And every priest standing daily and ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, oh, you can preach a whole sermon about this man. Hallelujah, this man. Amen. When the storms was raging and he stepped his foot upon the brow, this man spoke and said, peace be still. When this man came to a funeral, a little boy laying on that, that coffin beer raised up out of there, healthy, alive, and well. When this man, hallelujah, when this man died on the cross, he didn't die and remain there. He rose on the third day. This man, amen, but look, this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Amen. This man, when he sat in the heavens, he's now, he's there reigning until all his enemies. Amen. Even your enemy death will one day be his footstool. Somebody help me preach. Amen. And we are to run this race, as Paul said it in Hebrews 12, 2. He says, run, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then once again, we're going to look over here in a very symbolic book of Revelation, Revelation 12 and 5. And this shows him caught up to the holiest of holies, to the throne of God itself. And she, this was Israel, brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. He's to rule as son of David in the millennium. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So even we see it in the symbols of the book of Revelation. And until he rises from the throne and descends in his corporal body, for the meeting there, this is where he is, and this is his present office. Right. Now, finally, I want to go to the seventh angel's message from Jesus himself, found in Revelation 3 and verse 21. This is to the last church age, and it says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Now, I want you to watch these words. Jesus said, My throne. Even as I overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. My throne, his throne. Amen. Why? Because spirit God has dominion over all. Amen. Right? Over all the world he created it. And that's his throne. And Jesus sits there. Amen. As our representation. There before the throne. As our intercessor. Before the throne. But I want you to notice he, he said here that, that if you overcome, those who overcome in Laodicea, I will grant you to sit with me in my throne. Amen. Now, what is the throne of the man Christ Jesus? It is the millennial throne 
where he will rule and reign with his bride a thousand years. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so there again, he will reign, rule and reign. We will rule and reign. This is why he said in, in Revelation 5, and we shall reign on the earth, priests and kings, and reign on the earth because in the millennial reign, we will rule over the earth with him, the bride and the groom together, the king and his wife together. Hallelujah. What a promise that is. Amen. To them that overcometh in this last age. Now, of course, it, it includes all the overcomers of every age. But, brother, God's wanting you to know you're going to be raptured up to the throne. Yeah. Amen. What? To the millennial throne. And I think it's important that the last age needs a reminder of where Jesus is. And that he will be there until he descends from heaven. To those who overcome the wickedness of this Laodicean age will be exalted to sit with Christ uh, in his throne. His throne is the millennium. That's when his office will change from priest to king. You see him in Revelation 19. He'll come as king of kings and lord of lords. Who is he? He's the word. Amen. And so he will come to take over the world for the millennium. Now, notice he will change from priesthood, intercessor, to king. Right now, his present office is the same that the apostles established, was that he is a high priest, and as high priest, he is the Lamb of God. Now, I want to ask you, which is first, sin or the Savior? Which was first? The Savior was, right? So in the mind of God... Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. Before there was a sinner, we already had a Savior. Where was that Savior? He was a Savior in the mind of God. Amen. Now, and look here, Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain. From the foundation of the world, God saw him redeeming the earth, redeeming you before the world began. Can you get this for a minute? For you, before there was ever the first sinner, even before you ever sinned your first sin, he was already the perpetuation and the lamb slain and the cure, the remedy for your sin. Hallelujah, because before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. God already had it in his mind. He wrote your name in his book before the world began, and there's nothing can take it off. Hallelujah, there ain't enough devils in hell can take it off. You are his. And he's going to intercede for every one of you until your name is dipped in his blood and ever sin stain washed away. <laughs> John the baptizer saw him and said, look, here's the real lamb. John 1, 29, behold or look, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. All the woolly animals could never do this. All the little, little lambs that had been slaughtered could never take away sin. But here comes one, the lamb. Look, 
the Lamb of God. You know, here John is preaching. He's introducing a new thing. Because all they knew was to bring their woolly lamb, sacrifice, and to die in their place. Is somebody helping me preach now? But when John comes, he is, he is introducing a new thing. He points to a man and says, look, this is the lamb. And this lamb will take away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. This is of he of whom it is. I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, but he, he was before me. Amen. He was before me. He was before me. Amen. Now, John was actually born maybe six months before Jesus. Right? But John knew he was before me. This is more than, more than just a man here. He was before me. Amen. And, I, and John bare record, or, and he said, and I knew him not that he should be made manifest to Israel, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. And therefore am I come baptize him with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he... He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, of whom, whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Peter tells of our redemption, same way, 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation of received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in these last times for you. Hallelujah. You were saved by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. Amen. Without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world. Amen. This is why Jesus is depicted as symbolically as a lamb in the symbolic book of Revelation. You know, the book of Revelation is full of symbols. And Jesus, Jesus didn't have seven horns and seven eyes. But he's depicted symbolically as a lamb who has been sacrificed. Let's look at this in Revelation chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 6. And we were singing about it this morning, about the lamb taking the scroll. He was worthy. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, wait a minute. Amen. There, God isn't seven spirits. God is one. He is one spirit, but seven manifestations of the same Holy Ghost down through seven different church ages. Amen. All right, now notice this scene is describing the glorious redemption, and, and it's symbolically showing the stages of redemption. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now, it's a lamb, and he showed symbolically seven horns, seven eyes. 
He, you know, but he's not a lamb. He's not a woolly creature. He, this is only showing him symbolically as our sacrifice, our perpetuation, as our kinsman redeemer. Right? Amen. So now he comes now to take the book. Now I want to get the picture because here we, we mess up a lot of times. We get to thinking, you know, this is a moment twinkling an eye event. This is actually symbolic of his redemption. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when Brother Branham read this, he said, here it lays in the future. Tonight he is a mediator, but he's coming to this. So now we can look, verse 7, this lays in the future. Amen. He's coming to this. He will take the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now, this is symbolically representing. Now, watch verse 8. And when he was taken the book. Now, I want you to get this thought. When he had taken the book. Let's look at the book for the moment. The book is symbol of the redeemed. The lamb, we just established Jesus is not a woolly lamb with seven horns, seven eyes. That is representing his work as kinsman. The book. It's not a book. The, that book is symbolically representing every believer. Right. Amen. Amen. For you are the names in that book. Right. Hallelujah. Right. Now, and when he had taken the book, now let's stop a minute. John saw him do that in symbols. Right. Somebody help me preach. Right. Amen. But now, again, we, we, would, we would look and we know, we have heard and we know of the revelation of it given to the, the last messenger when he took the book. But listen, that ain't it either. That's still symbolic. Amen. But to take the book is to rapture the church. Hallelujah. When he takes the book, he raptures the church. So John could see it symbolic. Amen. We can see it by revelation. Amen. But when it really happens is when we go home to be with Jesus. Amen. Now notice, notice here, when he takes the book, when he takes the book, the four beasts, these are the four living creatures. These four living creatures are described as a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. These are living creatures before the throne of God, and they are representing symbolically the work of the Holy Spirit, giving overcoming power to the church. So when the horse riders go forth, the red, the, the white, the red, the black, and the pale, they have, they have a, a beast that says, come and see, come and look, come and look. Every one of them, every one of them are, are connected with that beast. Amen? Amen. So when the horse rider goes forth in the book of Revelation with the white horse, it was that deceiving spirit that would come to overthrow the church and begin out in the very first age. It would progress, and from there into further darkness to the red horse rider, and he would get his sword bloody with, with, with blood, and there would be 68 million of them killed down to the dark ages. Then he would turn to the black horse rider, and there he would sell the staff of life, and there he would withhold the word of God from the people, right? And then finally it breaks into the pale horse, which is about to ride. And it will ride in the tribulation, death. 
And we're right here where, where, the, where it is changing like a chameleon from white to red to black until finally it becomes a, a, an amalgamation of all or a combination of all three of those as a pale horse. All the powers of hell coming in the tribulation period. Amen. But when he came out in that first age on a white horse impersonating Christ, there was a lion that came out. It was an anointing that was given. And with that lion anointing, it emboldened the apostles to stand against the Antichrist spirit and stand in the face of them as in the first church age and call them apostles who were not apostles, false apostles, and call them liars. What was it? It was a bonus of a lion. Then when he changes his tactic and it goes to blood, it comes the ox age and the ox anointed. And God anointed men and women to be able to willingly give their life. Are you with me? Amen. Beasts to sacrifice and lay down their life. And then it changes. And he comes over the black horse. And now he, he comes. And God gives the intelligence of a man. And we get men like Luther and Zwingli and all these others. And they print the Bible. An intelligence of man. And give that to the people to counteract the working of the Antichrist. Right. Right. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, the last one is an eagle. And the Bible calls him a flying eagle. All of them had wings, but it, it specifies this eagle is a flying eagle. Oh, hallelujah. That's a prophetic anointing. But I want you to know you are under the anointing, not of the ox, not of the man, not of the lion, but you're under the anointing of an eagle. Spread your wings, little eagle. You don't have to worry about crossing the river. There's a rapture for you. You're not going to be left here crawling on the earth, dying with the dead, but you will be among those who take your wings and fly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when he had taken the book, not when he showed the symbols to John, nor when he gave the revelation to the seventh angel I spoke of in Revelation 10, but when he took the book. And to take the book is the rapture of the church. And when he taken the book, the four living creatures, the lion, the man, the ox, and the eagle, these anointings from God, the cherubim, and the four and twenty elders, the Old and New Testament, fell down, fell down, these are raptured saints. They fall down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Look, they were wanting to come back to the earth. Now, and until the millennium now, Jesus, his principal office is lamb. Even in the tribulation, it's the wrath of the Lamb. Even when he reveals himself to Israel, the 144,000, it's the Lamb with them on Mount Zion. I'm trying to get something to you. He doesn't change his role from priest to king 
until he comes back with his saints in Revelation 19. Let's go to, let's go to Revelation 6 and verse 14 because I want to talk about this sanctuary uh, for a moment. Actually, this is the, the sixth seal. And I, I want you to get, I want you to see it. This is the sixth seal. This is the wrath of the Lamb. And of course, when the bride goes up, then the, then the heavens, uh, there's interruptions in the heavens. The moon turns to blood. She's fully redeemed. The sun don't give her light. The light of the, the word is taken from the earth. The stars fall from heaven. Satan is cast down. We went through all of that last Sunday. Now, in verse 14, and the heavens departed Heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island was moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondsman, every free man, hid themselves in the den in the rocks of the mountain, and said to the rock, mountain and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Notice now, we always talk about this sweet love in Jesus. But you just wait when he begins to pour out his wrath on the earth. Amen. Now, the day of his wrath is coming. Revelation 14 and verse 1, we also see him. This is in the tribulation. Lo, I saw, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him the 144,000, having his father's name in their forehead. And this is the Jewish remnant, 12,000 out of every tribe. That's the 144,000. And it's the marriage of the lamb and the marriage supper of the lamb. And he changes from lamb, and my point there was, Remember, there's a marriage supper of the lamb, and his wife has made herself ready. He's still a lamb at the marriage supper. He changes from lamb to lion or king when he takes the millennial throne, and to take that throne, he comes back from glory with his saints. The word of God as a corporal coming to, to the earth to reign as king of kings and lord of lords throughout the millennium. Notice here, I'd like to just summarize it. Well, like Brother Branham did, he did it in question and answer 64. He said, everything will be finished for the Gentile church when the bride is taken from the earth. The Spirit of God leaves the earth. He that's filthy is filthy still. He that's righteous is righteous still. He that's holy is holy still. In other words, the sanctuary becomes smoky. And the attorney, where the attorney stands to plead the place, Christ leaves the sanctuary. His day of mediatorial is over. The rapture comes. He leaves the sanctuary. And, of course, that's the third heaven. And, and takes the book of redemption and claims everything he has redeemed. And then there's no more mediatorial work. Now, to truly claim everything he redeemed is to take possession of it. In our day, he took the book of redemption and revealed to us his, its mysteries by revelation, but that's only a phase of him taking the book. John saw him take the book and write its symbol. said, I saw a white horse. Him that sat upon him had a bow and went to conquer. 
Brother Branham saw him take the book and reveal its symbol. And the, and the, the white horse rider is in the Antichrist spirit. And white because it's impersonating Christ. And it conquers through deception. But this is only symbolic as seen by John. And the revelation then of what he will do as understood by the, by the Elijah ministry. But actually, he will actually take the contents of the book into his hand. And that means he will resurrect the dead in Christ and change the living in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. So it was only a partial fulfillment to see him as John did. And take the book and write its symbols. That's only a partial fulfillment. Amen. What a great thing it is rejoicing. You know, John saw the book taken by the Lamb and told us of its seals. What are those seals, John? Huh? I can only tell you of its symbols. And I saw a white horse. But I don't know what it means. I just write down what I saw. You see, it's only partial. And yet, it's a great, even a greater fulfillment to see him as we do take the book and make known the symbols amen brother Branham saw the books taken by the lamb what are those seals brother Branham he says they they they're sealed up mysteries and God has revealed their symbols and it's no more a symbol anymore Seven angels came from glory. I can only tell you what those symbols mean. I can tell you of how they're applied. I tell you how the book got sealed and how it got closed off from the believer. But the complete fulfillment of that is to take the book. Every person in the Lamb's book in a rapture. Amen. My goodness. That's where he comes. Listen, listen, Brother Branham, talk about it in the breeze. Remember the Old Testament teaching, when the blood went off the mercy seat, what was it? Judgment seat. When the Lamb walked forward from eternity out of the Father's throne and took his rights, it was a judgment seat. Then he become not a lamb but a lion king. And he calls for his queen to come stand by his side. Know you not the saints shall judge the earth. See, they're going to rule in the millennium. He repeats this thought the very next night, and he says, someday, listen, someday, not now, someday, he rises from the Father's throne and goes to take his own throne. Now he comes forth to call his subject. How is he going to claim them? He's already got the book of redemption in his hand, glory. Oh, I feel like singing a hymn. Soon the Lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. What's he doing? He, he is equating the rising from the throne and the taking of the book with the rapture. They're one and the same thing. You see, it's the rapture. Listen in conferences. As Brother Bradham said, you people here has taken them takes on the seven seals. When the Lamb come forth to claim his redemption, what he's redeemed, time was finished in. He's in the work now doing the work of redemption. But someday, are you with me? Someday, he walks from the sanctuary to take the book of redemption that he's purchased with his own blood. Then the hour is over. He comes forth to claim what he has redeemed. Hallelujah. But now, he's doing the work of redemption. But someday, he walks from the sanctuary. Amen. So to get it by revelation or symbolically is not the taking of the book. The real 
taking of the book is when he calls for his queen to come stand by his side and takes her in a rapture. Hallelujah. He rises from his throne, and when he does, when he does, the resurrection takes place. Amen. In the, in the breach, he said, we are now redeemed, but he has not claimed his possession yet. Now, you may differ with that, but just hold a minute. He hasn't claimed it. If he took the book of redemption, everything that Adam had and everything he lost, Christ redeems back and he's already redeemed us, but he hasn't took possession yet. He cannot until the time appointed. And then will come the resurrection and then the earth will be renewed again and then he will take possession. His possessions when he got when he redeemed us, but we'll do it at the appointed time. And this is described in this seven-sealed book that we're talking of now. The book of redemption is all described here. And what Christ will do at the end will be revealed to us this week in the seven seals if God will let us. So you see, it's what Christ will do at the end when he takes a bride. Amen. He'll take possession. Amen. He's not taking possession yet. Amen. When he takes possession, we'll be changed. Notice, he'll call for his queen to come stand by his side. Now, I want to hurry. Remember, again, as, as we go into this, I want you just to, to, to get this. You see, I, I want to go over just a couple of things. The closing and the sealing of the book took us away from Pentecost and its original truths. Let me go back over that again. Everybody get with me just for just a few more minutes. The closing and the sealing of the book took us away from Pentecost, the original Pentecost, and its original truce. John saw it sealed. He saw it closed up. And the Antichrist was shown symbolically as horse riders conquering and taking the church from Pentecost down into death. Are, with, are you with me? The revelation of the book and the loosen of its seals brings us back to Pentecost. The closing of it took us away from Pentecost. The opening of it takes us back to Pentecost. Amen. That is, if you let it. Otherwise, you'll just embrace this knowledge and remain a lukewarm Laodicean. But the actual literal taking of the book will take us back, amen, to immortality again. Amen. Where well, we are changed. We will be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. That's what it will do. Amen. Revelation 4.1. Notice this. And I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Oh, I went through all of these openings in heavens, all down through the, through the Bible. It's just a marvelous thing. Him opening heaven. The first verse I heard was of a trumpet talking with me, saying, Come up hither, and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Amen. Notice this very carefully. You see, it's at the end of the ages that heaven is open, and John typing the entire bride is raptured. Amen. It is there. Revelation 4.1 is the rapture. And there is a trumpet voice that says, come up hither. Amen. Let me tell you, this is in the future. What we will hear the trumpet, the sound that says, come up here. Leave that dimension. 
Come on up out of Laodicea. Leave the church ages. Leave death. Leave, leave mortality behind. Amen. Move into immortality. Yeah. Hallelujah. There you are in Revelation 4.1. Amen. At the end of the ages, the church ages, that's when they come to an end. Amen. When the bride is raptured. Let me just show you. This is the same trumpet of this. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Punch your neighbor and tell him this morning, we shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. What? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So that when this corruptible shall have been put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Here's your trumpet. Here's Revelation 4. Amen. And what happens? The dead in Christ rise. And we're caught up. We hear the summons. Come up here. Leave the earthbound dimension. Fly away, little eagle. Amen. Hallelujah. Now this, listen, this is, Brother Branham never spiritualized the scripture. He never attend, did teach that we ascended in Revelation 4 in a spiritual manner. Amen. And because of a spiritual ascension that this was fulfillment of it. This, this fulfillment is not a spiritualization. The fulfillment is a catching away and the literal physical meeting of Christ in the air. That's where he will claim those who are in the book of redemption, season them, snatching them out of harm's way before the tribulation. The true rapture and ascension will be after the church ages are over. Amen. Oh, my. So many of these points we could hit, but let's just, let's just understand. I want you just to get, he is still today the lamb interceding on your behalf. His living corporal body is on the throne while his spirit is on the earth. Now, don't get some idea that he's comatose on the throne. Don't get some idea he can't be here and there at the same time. All right? He can't, of course, he can't be omnipresent in a corporal body, but he can be omnipresent by his spirit. His spirit is large enough to fill the corporal body on the throne and yet fill every child of God on the earth by the same spirit that's on the, in the corporal body on the throne. Can you imagine that? You can have the very same spirit that was in Jesus. Ah, Brother Tim, he's left the throne of heaven. He now sits on the throne of the heart of the bride. Well, but that's not true. Every born-again believer from Pentecost until now has had Christ sitting on the throne. The throne of their hearts by spirit dwelling. Let's, just, let's take some scripture. Let's see who it is sitting on. And now, we've done establish he's on the throne, but let's establish who's in the heart. Romans 8 and 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Amen. 
And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Hallelujah. Your body's going to be quickened by the Holy Ghost that's already inside of you. That's why you got to get the Holy Ghost so you have no quickening power to change it. Amen. Galatians 4 and 6. And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, My Father, my Father, my Father. Amen. Are you with me? What did He do? Sent forth the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Listen again. Our salvation is is supplied to the Spirit of Jesus, Philippians 1.19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So our, our salvation is supplied by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Look here in, the, in the, uh, what Peter said they, they preached by the Spirit of Christ in the Old Testament. 1 Peter 1 and 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, which prophesied of the grace which should come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ that the glory should follow. Notice, notice what it said. The Spirit of Christ was in them, in the Old Testament prophets. It was the Spirit of Christ there. It was the Spirit of Christ and Peter, James, and Paul. It was the Spirit of Jesus that returned on the day of Pentecost. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Are you with me? It's the Spirit of Jesus. And that's why this special and particular anointing of Christ can descend from heaven in Revelation 10 and not remove Jesus from the throne of intercessory. Amen. Because it is his spirit coming down as, as, uh, for the purpose of restoration. This is what he would see symbolically in that symbolic book. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. What was that? An anointing coming down to anoint a people in this last day. Are you with me? It's the same Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost, but it's for the purpose of finishing up redemption. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is, this is a very time. But now, let's just talk about this for a moment. I want you to get it. He is there with interceding. He is not dead. He does not have a lifeless body, but he lives to make intercession. This is, this is what he says. In, in Hebrews 7, 22, I've got to read this scripture. For by so much was Jesus made a surety of the New Testament. And truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. So he said, we have many priests and through, throughout the time in, in this old covenant. Because one would die, his son would take his place, and then another high priest, another high priest. But this man, here we go again, because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Amen. Another translation says, this is amplified, but Jesus permanently holds his priestly office since he lives forever and will never have a successor. Amen. But he holds his priesthood unchangeable because he lives on forever. 
Wherefore he is able, oh, I like this, to save them to the uttermost. Right on down to the last age. Amen. To them that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth. Somebody say ever liveth. To make intercession for them. So you see, he's not in a dead or a lifeless body, but he lives to make intercession. He's praying, interceding, sending back blessings to us by his spirit. Hallelujah. His physical body is on the throne of grace and mercy. At the same time, his spirit extends to the earth and is now working, living, manifesting himself in his saints. His spirit is on earth appearing in a multi-membered body, but the corporal body, Jesus, is still in the sanctuary upon the throne of God making intercession for us. Oh, I'm glad we got an intercessor there. I need him today. Amen. Now, we know at any time the lamb may leave the sanctuary up there or the throne of sacrifice and come from the throne of God with the sacrifices laid, and then it's over. But right now, he's the high priest who can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Now then, why do, is it so important that we still have an intercessor? Why is it that it's important he doesn't leave there until we're changed? Why is it important that he must stay in the heavens until we're changed? I want to go to here. Because sometimes... You know, we get to thinking, man, we're so purged and holy through the blood and glory to God. We're, we're a new creature. We're the bride of Christ. And hallelujah. We, we just got a, a right to, we, we, why, well, you'd think heaven was made by us. But let's go here and let's just see how holy God is. Let's talk about you this morning and how holy God is. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think something right there, that's a little bit of a difficult task. (laughs) That you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which, in his times, he will show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, which only hath immortality, amen, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Now, so Jesus dwells. He's went into heaven, but he dwells in the light. That no man can approach. Only he has eternal life. He dwells in the light which no man can approach. I don't know. You fit in there somewhere. You're one of those no mans. You can't approach. We got a problem. Because we need a God, but we can't approach him. He's unapp- he, he is unapproachable. This is why God became a man. 
to make God approachable. Because in spirit form is the spirit God. I want you to listen. This God is so holy that angels who never sinned cover their faces in his sight. I want to to show you Brother Branham's description. Did you ever think that one, you're going to stand in his presence and give account for this word for Christ? When God is so holy, sitting yonder in eternity, when 10 million sons would be black spots before him, so holy that even angels look filthy in his sight. Angels before him are filthy. He would tell this in influence, God is so holy until the angels cover, these seraphims cover their face in the presence of the holy God. And the only thing they can say is, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. A special covering for them to stand in the presence of God. What kind of covering do we need? They had to be covered. And he said, I want to say this right now. The blood of Jesus Christ is all sufficient. Hallelujah. We need a covering. Amen. As long as we are in these mortal bodies, we need a covering of blood. Amen. I'd like to show you Colossians 1.21. You were sometimes alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. Here's the reason he did all this. So he could present you. How? Holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. I'll tell you, what a blood, what an atonement, what grace. This is why he did it. Come on now. Amen. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the way. Are you with me? I am the way. Now, when a person, you know, if I tell you, if I tell you and I give you a book or I give you a map, that's the way. But let me tell you, when a person leads the way, somebody help me preach. Amen. If I, if I lead you to the restaurant you're going today, I am the way to the restaurant. Amen. And Jesus is what leads us to God. He is the way to God. God became a man to lead us back to God again. So therefore, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except by me. Hallelujah. Because he's a light that no man dare approach. That 10 million worlds are dark spots before him. He's so bright. So holy. Angels cover their faces in his sight. And you think you can approach that without Jesus? In your your body that sinned? Come on now. But who is it? I'm going to go back to Romans 8, 34. 
But who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Let me read another translation. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus. Did you hear the voice of condemnation coming to you this week? Did it tell you something this morning? That voice of condemnation, that ain't Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. He gave his life for us. And even more than that, he conquered death and is now risen, exalted, enthroned by God in his right hand. And how, so how could he possibly condemn us when he is continually praying for our victory? Hallelujah. He sees you in your battle and he prays. Amen. Amen. He prays for your victory. How can you lose with Jesus praying for you? <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't care what your battle is. I don't care how long the battle's rage. The devil cannot win because Jesus stands there praying on your behalf. The intercessor. Let me just give you an illustration, and I'm bringing it down to close. We'll be out of here my part by 2 o'clock. <clears throat> if not, I'll bar some from the Sunday I'm not here. <laughs> but you know, in the Old Testament, when a little donkey was born, any animal, but when a donkey was born, you know, maybe he's got broke down ears and he's not needing cross-eyed. Why, you know, you know an ugly thing like that's going to be knocked in the head. But his mother would tell him, son, you were born your firstborn. And because you were born thus, this way, you know, there's got to be something die in your place because God claims all the firstborns. And to redeem you, you have to be redeemed with a lamb. There will be a lamb without blemish that is chosen to redeem you. This is Old Testament law. Amen. The law of the firstborn. Are you with me? Amen. So you see... Uh, you see, there's a perfect lamb, though, that's going to die in your place. Now, you say, well, I'm no good. I ain't worthy to be healed. I ain't even worthy to come to Christ. Hey, you might, you might feel like, like a, an old, ugly, worthless, knock-kneed, cross-eyed, long-eared donkey. That may be the way you feel. But there is a spotless lamb that is going to die in your place. Amen. It's going to be received in your place. Are you with me? Amen. So don't look at yourself. You look at your sacrifice. Amen. How can I ever be unreprovable without fault before him? It can only be because he made me that way. If he said, be ye therefore the perfect, as even as I am perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Come on, somebody. How perfect God? Be as perfect as God is perfect. How am I going to be that way? Well, I can't do it. You can't do it. There ain't another mortal man can do it. Somebody help me preach. We're everyone in the same boat. None of us can, can meet that perfection that God requires. Didn't Jesus say, be ye therefore perfect, 
even as your Father in heaven is perfect. How are you going to get perfect? There's only one way, and that is your, your blame, your shame, your sin be taken off of you and placed on your sacrifice. And then, therefore, you're perfect because the Lamb took your imperfection. And I want you to know, he went to Calvary and he died with it. And the devil, come on now, the devil has no more claim on you. The old account has been settled long ago, and the record is clear today. He washed my sins away. They're gone. They're removed as far as the darkness is from dawn. Hallelujah. Look at your sacrifice. Let me read you what Brother Branham said. Don't look at yourself. Look at your sacrifice. I'm no good. There's nothing good in me, not even a thought. There's nothing no good, nothing no good in you. There's none of us deserve anything but hell. But oh, look what stands to represent us. Look what stands to represent us. And here is his life in print, the Bible, tried to be manifest through us. And then through some little creed, we turn it down, and we need a comfort. Yes, that's the reason I can walk out the platform and not be in a fear that something's going to come up and something's going to happen this way or it'll fail, something go wrong. I look at my sacrifice. Billy, what did you do this week? And Brother Brandon, as much says, this week? I've done enough to die in an hour. I'm a sinner to begin with. But I'm looking who give me the promise. I'm looking who said, don't you fear, stand there because you were born for this cause you were born. I raised you up for this purpose. Then all the devils in hell can't make me move. I'm standing there on Christ, that solid rock. Amen. 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 You think you can do without an intercessor? As long as you're here in this flesh, you're in a dirty garment. That dirty garment you sinned in. This dirty garment smoked, it drank, it committed adultery, it did all kinds of things. Amen. Maybe, maybe yours didn't, but it, it sinned enough. Remember, remember, this is a holy God none can approach to. Are you with me? And unfortunately, even after we've been saved, it still continues to doubt Fear wrestles with unbelief. We're in the same place as Sarah was. We doubt, we fear, we disbelief. And when even a message comes to Sarah, Sarah, you're going to have a child. She laughed in the face of God, and God would have slayed her right there. But the mercies of God held it off. And it's the mercies of Christ that holds us together, doubters and perversers of the word. Think of it. You're not going to meet Jesus in this body. Did you get that? I was one time, and I've told this story before, but I went one time to the bank. I'm a farm boy. I'd been out working. I looked, and I said, oh, I just got enough time to make it into the bank. And I, I run, jumped with my old straw hat and dirty clothes. I'd been working out in the barn and ragged and I go running 
running up, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get into the bank real quick and do this business, run out. Nobody will see me. And I jump out of my car. I run up there with my depositor check, whatever I had. I run up there, and the doors open for me. And there, the president of the bank is there in a tuxedo, bow tie. He's dressed to the hilt, to the nines, whatever that means. <laughs> and there, the tellers are coming out, and they're all in the evening gowns. And the townspeople and the mayor and all of them are, hello, Tim. Hello. <laughs> hello, Reverend Pruitt. Hello, Pastor. I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at them. I'm totally out of place. That ain't nothing the way it's going to be one day. If you try to make Jesus meet Jesus with this body being unchanged, stained. Remember, your body isn't redeemed. Your soul is, but your body isn't. It's got to be changed. That's why we need this rapture. That's why we need Jesus to come. That's why we need the dead in Christ to rise. Because when, that, when he comes, the theophanies will come with him. And we will meet our theophany and we'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And we'll be glorified. And we'll be in a body that never smoked, never drank, never come, taught a lie, never told a lie. And we'll be able to walk into his presence and there won't be no need of blood anymore there won't need to be a covering of blood between us because now every sin is gone won't it be a time but until then we do enough now in an hour in a moment we do enough you've done enough in this in this service there's thoughts you thought you wouldn't want to be revealed there. When it, when it comes back to this day, when we've been preaching on the Word of God, and your thoughts was, I wish he'd hurry up. Don't you know? All them other thoughts and everything else and so-and-so and whatever and so-and-so. They had this color dress on and should have used this and that's wrong. And all them thoughts displayed before. You don't want that. Just in the service. I don't want none of that. That's why I need an intercessor. I need one, not just for sin past. I need some for my unbelief right now. But one day, he will leave the sanctuary. He will appear to the dead in Christ and bring them with him. And when he does... We see them will be changed. Just think about it. We'll look over and see the dead in Christ start mingling among. It did in the Old Testament. The Bible said they rose up. Many of the graves were open and they appeared unto many. Come on. And when they appear, we'll look at them. They'll see us. Brother, you talk about you won't need faith. 
You won't need faith anymore. Amen. You'll be faith, your faith will be materialized. And you'll look at yourself and the wrinkles will have went away. The gray hair gone. You won't need glasses. No false teeth. You're going to be changed. But if you don't get an inside change, you'll never get the outside changed. But what a time it's going to be when he leaves that sanctuary, when he leaves that place. But until then, we've got a bloody sacrifice that's interceding. And I need him. I need him even to the last moment I'm in this body. I need him. When it's all over and I'm changed, I won't need an intercessor no more. God and man will be united back together again. And a great peace will come over the earth for the millennial reign as we take the earth over again. What a day that's going to be. Don't you want to be a part of that? How many would say, Lord, help me today. I want to be a part of that. Let me lay aside every weight, every sin, every bit of unbelief. Right now, I need your intercessory. Will the musicians come real quick? Amen. Right now, I need your intercessory work, Lord, because I'm full of faults. I'm full of failures. Yeah, I I have the Holy Spirit. I have the deposit of redemption. I have it within my soul. But in my spirit, in my mind, there's still thoughts that comes and things that happens and there there's there's things that I I think I do and I I want to say I shouldn't say and all kinds of things I need an intercessor I need you Jesus why don't you bow your head just for a moment just say Lord Jesus all my sins I want to put on you right now I, I realize you're my intercessor You dwell in a light that no man dare approach. But oh God, right now, right now, I don't dare approach without the blood. But because of that blood, I can approach. Oh, to know that you took on flesh. You left the thrones of heaven to come down to earth to become one ma- a man with us. You'd be tempted like me. Same things that I go through, I, you'd be tempted with, but yet without sin, undefiled, holy, without blame. You became me that I might become you by grace. What a God of mercy. What a God of grace. Thank you for that grace, Lord. Thank you that we know where Jesus is right now. That right now, he's a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of your infirmity. Your infirmity might be sickness in your body. He can be touched. Reach out right now and touch him and say, Lord, right now I receive that healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be touched. Amen. You say, I'm done wrong, Lord. I, I said something wrong. I gossiped about somebody. I, I acted in ways I shouldn't have acted. I did this. I did. Lord, right now I cast all my cares on you. For you care for me. 
Lord, I've had the wrong kind of thoughts, and I, my, my mind hasn't been pure. I've, the devil has come, and I'm at a battle there, and I just feel real dirty, real dirty because of it all. I just feel so filthy. But today I'm just going to cast all my cares on you, all my sins, everything. I'm just put it over on my sacrifice. You take my place, Lord. You purge me. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. That's him. That's his grace. He wants you this morning. He wants you. No, he's not taking his book. His book is the redeemed. He'll take that in a rapture. But, oh, we got revelation of it. We see it in symbols. But, oh, one day he'll take his book. He'll take his bride to be ever at his side. Today, why don't you look at it? Why don't you look at it? You say, well, I'm no good. That's right. You're not. That's one of the first things you have to realize. We're not any good, but he is. Have we been perfect? No. When you stand in front of that light, and there would be no lawyer there, no one, the accuser can come and tell what you did. He knows things you've really done. He ain't lying. You don't have to make it up. You did it. But Jesus stands there as your attorney. Take all your sins, all his sins, put them on me. Right now. Right now. Accept that pardon. Accept that grace. Don't accept it just to go back out and sin again and put it all back in his face. Accept it. And then start walking with him with all your heart. Loving him with all your soul. Asking him. Lord, you're going to come one day and claim your possession. When you do, you're going to change us in a moment, a twinkle of eye. But we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Think about it. They would tell him beyond the curtain, one day he'll come to you. You can't see him now. He's higher than this. But one day he will come back. And when he comes, he'll come to you first. Then we'll go back to the earth, go back with him to the earth and live forever in a body, a fleshly body, changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. What a promise that is. It won't go down in the bodies that sin there. It'll come up in a new body. They won't be in bodies that are old and decrepit and sick. There'll be new bodies. Oh, aren't you about ready to trade this old rag in? Have you made reservations to change coats? Hey, Amen. Have you made your reservations there to change them and you can step from this into immortality? Hallelujah. This flesh. You'll drop and rise and grasp the everlasting prize and then say farewell, farewell as you leave this world. What a day that will be. What a day. Remember, Joseph, take these bones with you. Don't leave my bones here in Egypt. And when they left, they took the bones with them. And when we leave, we're taking all the saints with us. There won't be a one left out here in these graveyards. Won't be one left behind. When will it be, Brother Tim, when that last one comes in? 
and his need for intercessory is over. He's coming for us. Then that which is filthy will be filthy still, and that which is holy be holy still. That which is righteous be righteous still. But until then, there's mercy. Mercy is extended to you today. Won't you reach out and take it? Make the best trade you ever could make and trade your old sins for his righteousness. Invite him now to come to your life. Father, take the words that we have spoke tonight. Let them find resting place in the hearts of your believers, Lord. Oh, God, as we know the old dry bones will hear the word of the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise. We will rise with them. Oh, God, to meet you in the air. What a day that will be. Jesus, we commit this audience, this congregation to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Together and sing it. I couldn't imagine. 